Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness to us in this house. Thank you for those who were faithful 30 years ago to hear and respond and obey. And for those 20 years ago who heard and responded and obeyed. And for those 10 years ago who heard and responded and obeyed. And thank you for those in this season we're going into. The best years of this church are in our future. The greatest harvest and breakthrough for the kingdom is at our doorstep. And we are believing you, God, that in the next three years, we are going to see things that are going to astonish us, amaze us, as we look back and say, surely God did it, because man could not. Amen. Amen. As we take our seats, I want to ask you a very deep question this morning. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Now, I know of you, some of you, God, it's going to take some time to get that going around. What came first? Have you ever heard someone ask that? What came first, the chicken or the egg? Who says both? Hands up. Who says the egg? Hands up. Who says the chicken? Who's not going to raise their hands no matter what I say? I tell you what, you guys are so well taught in this church. Of course the chicken came first. God created the birds of the air and the birds, fowls of the ground and the the fowls made eggs. God didn't create an egg head. That's the easy question. The next question is a bit more difficult. Okay? What comes first? Maturity or ministry? Who says ministry? Who says maturity? Who's not going to say anything? Who's going to hedge their bets? And I think this is a real challenging question for many a Christian is this issue of when I'm mature enough, then I will do X, Y, and Z. Because when I'm mature enough, that means I'll know enough because now I'm ignorant and I would have been in the church long enough. I would have done courses enough. I would, have, I would have become more righteous because I'll be living more holy like some of the elders do. And then I'll be ready for ministry because I'm not ready for ministry yet because I'm not mature enough. Come on. Ask the person next to you. Are you mature enough? Don't answer. What comes first, ministry or maturity? That is what... I want to talk about. So, so I, here's my story. I, I get saved. No Bible, no church background. I'm hitchhiking home after this weekend of giving my life to Jesus. I'm working in Northern Natal in a steel plant called Isco back in those days. And these guys picked me up because I'm hitchhiking back to the, 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 the apprentice hostels where we stayed. And they start talking about church. So I get excited and say, gee, I'm also one of you guys now. This weekend, I became one of you. So I get in their church, and this young couple take me under their wing. In fact, he was the guy that preached to last year, my friend Bert from England, who came to Dr. Fred's funeral. 
So they, they take me to their home. They're in mid-20s. I didn't know it myself. They'd just been born again themselves. I just thought they were spiritual giants, and they were really old because they were in their mid-20s, you know, late-20s. So they invite me. No, you're not going home to the, the, the hostels this weekend. You've got to come and stay in our place. And then I would be told, oh, and by the way, Friday night we are going to have a, a Bible study. I wasn't sure what that was because I'd never had a Bible, but they soon put that right. And then they said, we're going to the hospitals, and you're going to share your testimony. What's that? You're going to tell how you came to know the Lord. So with fear and trepidating, because I dare not disappoint these great spiritual leaders of mine, who were probably only saved a year themselves. I went along to the hospital with them, fear and trembling, knees having fellowship, stood by the bed of someone I'd never seen before. Oh, that was my question. Who are we going to go see? They said, whoever is available. Whoever the Lord leads us to. You know what a concept that is to get your mind around? Whoever the Lord. As an unchurched, unstained glass, unbarbled heathen, to be told, whoever the Lord leads us to. It's like, wow. Lightning and thunder. Spectacular. So here I am, by this person who we were led to, by God, I'll have you know. And I begin sharing my story. And then my, my friend nudges me and says, now, now ask them if you can pray for them. Pray for them. I, I didn't have enough courage to say grace. Never mind, pray for them. And if you think, Bert and Margaret stopped there, think again. Because on Sunday, when the pastor said, anybody got a testimony Guess who got an elbow in the ribs? Yours truly. And I was so nervous. I mean, Wally is no longer enough. They've moved back to Newcastle, in fact. He, he remembers that day. I got up and, and I started mumbling around. And believe it or not, I'm still a little bit shy to stand up in front of people. It doesn't completely go away. But this was the biggest fear in my life. So here I am in a little Assemblies of God church. Liz, where are you? You were in that church with me. And I stand up there, and I'm shaking all over. And I just gave a shot. I can't remember what I said, but everybody politely clapped afterwards. I sat down, and I thought, never again. Never again. And then the next weekend, Steve, you're not going home to the hostels this weekend. You're going to come stay with us. I got ambushed weekend after weekend. But something started happening. I started getting quite bold. I started becoming quite excited about this great privilege to talk about Jesus. So before long, I was even talking to people I was working with about Jesus. There's a thing. And I found that some of them also had the same thing that I had. But they just had never spoken about it. And I found that very odd. But we soon put that right. Because I said, what are you doing on Friday night? We're going to the hospital. Come along with us. Now, I'm going to read a Bible verse because we're in church this morning. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. And he gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers, say after me, to equip. To equip. Okay? That's their job. That's why God called them. Paul said, even from birth, I was called to be an apostle. That's a sovereign calling of God. There's a, 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 a place 
in the kingdom where God has put these gifts uh, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Say the work of ministry. For the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood and the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Say mature manhood. Mature womanhood. Mature personhood. Until we all come to maturity. But can you see the order with me this morning? I think you got it. When I was at school, they taught us to count. 11, 12, 13. Verse 11 comes first. He gives gifts to verse 12 to equip you and me to do something called ministry so that, or in the everyday outworking of that, the result of that is this thing called maturity. But for some reason, in our Christian lives, we have muddled up those two. And many hide behind this thing of, I'm just not mature enough. I'm just not good enough. I don't know enough. I'm too young. I'm too old. But all you've got to be is one step ahead of the other person to be able to minister to them. Do you know that? You just have to be one step ahead. Say one step ahead. If you are born again and have been brought out of the kingdom of death into the kingdom of life, and you, with someone who's not born again, you are one step ahead. If you could come into a place with fellow believers for our time of corporate worship, and you know how to engage with God through the, the, the music and through the words and through the, the presence of God, when you come into contact with a Christian who doesn't know how to do that, who doesn't believe you should do that, you are one step ahead. If you've read your Bible with some understanding, I say some understanding because we're continually growing in our understanding of the Scripture. But, but if you've read through the book of John and the, 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 the book of Acts and you with someone, a new Christian who's never read their Bible, you're one step ahead. So years later, I found out that Bert and Margie were only a year or two ahead of me, but I thought they were spiritual giants because they could actually remember where verses were in the Bible. So one day I went to my pastor and I said, I've got to show you this verse. Pastor, you got it, I've got it. It's in John, I think it's chapter 3, and I think it's verse 16. Have you ever seen this? Have you ever seen this verse? I mean, these were spiritual giants. You're a spiritual giant if you one step ahead. Just one step ahead. Not getting out of bed in the morning and walking on three inches of air with a halo. Not being able to quote generations to revolutions word perfect. Not jingling signs and miracles and wonders before you can go and pray for the sick. If you are a believer and it says believers will lay hands on the sick and pray for them and they'll be healed then you are one step of someone who's sick. Way too much sickness going on at the moment. It's got to stop in Jesus' name. Are you agreeing with me right now? Sickness, we say to you, this far and no further. There's been too many sore throats, bad chests, flu, influenza, stomach, arthritis, pain. We say to you in Jesus' name, you are not worthy of the children of God.
The children of God need their health and their strength and their full capacities to do the work of the ministry that they have been called to do. And we say no in Jesus' name and by the blood of Jesus, we are healed and we receive that healing right now into our bodies. Believe me, believe me. If you saw me on Friday, you wouldn't think I could have preached today. And I'm 100%. Thursday last week, I bumped into Jeff. I said, be on standby, brother. This morning he said to me, what was I going to talk about? Being one step ahead. Every believer ministers. And in the process of ministry, maturity starts to come. In the process of ministry. That's why, church, We're not aiming at having perfect worship services, but we are aiming at equipping lots more worshipers. We're aiming to equip leaders. And as as a pastor and as other Ephesians gifts in the body of Christ, we've got to keep asking ourselves this question. Am I spending more time preparing to do ministry or am I spending more time preparing others for ministry? It can't just be about the man of power for the hour. It can't just be about the man of God syndrome. Oh, please, Paul, great man of God, come pray for me. No, 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 I'll teach you how to pray for yourself. That's my job. We need to be spending time and effort equipping and taking risks. And sometimes that's a bit messy to equip new worship leaders because the goal is not just having a perfect worship service. It's about equipping people for ministry. So we risk, and sometimes in that equipping, there's little drop catches and messiness, and I lie in bed at night and want to pull my hair out. But, but, but what's the alternative to that? To have a specialized group? No. The apostle's not a specialist. He's just a gift that was given that's one step ahead. And his gift is to make sure you get going. And the prophet is not the man we run to to get the latest revelation and prophecy for our life. He's the guy that stirs us up to become prophets, to prophesy, to declare, to speak the wonders of God. The evangelist. We don't have to go flocking after the evangelist. His job is to other, also get people saved. I mean, they also do the ministry. But they're not only called to do the work of ministry. They're called to equip the ministers. And as they equip the ministers, the ministers become mature. And then the body gets built up and comes together in the fullness of Christ. So thank God, and I said it last week, for the Trevor and Jules. They passionately care for people want to get to the hospital bedside. But better still is when the Trevor and Jules are equipping dozens of others who've got a heart, whose gift, their mercy gift that's been given to them from God. Because remember, there are various gifts in the scriptures amongst apostles, prophets, servants, ministry of helps, uh, administration, generosity. And all those gifts are to stir others up. The works of ministry to, uh, to stir up others to works of ministry. Generosity to stir up others to generosity. Administration to help others learn how to set budgets and you know, keep a timetable and arrive on time at a meeting. Thank God for the administrators. Amen? 
All the administrators said amen. You see, here's where the, the, the Reformation. Can I give you a little quick church history lesson? This is where the Reformation did a good job of breaking out of dead, cold religious orthodoxy, which was based on man's performance and good works and the church's vindication of him. And the church held the keys that could get you out of hell into heaven. And all the garbage that went with the Middle Ages, Reformation came and smashed that thing open with justification by faith, which is what we're preaching, grace. It's what Jesus' performance, not our performance. But there was something else that the Reformers and Martin Luther emphasized. There were two things, justification by faith, and the second one was the priesthood of all believers. Those were the two categories that were completely unknown and and unexperienced by the church of the day. And the reformers saw what was happening in the church, but then they looked at the scripture, and what was happening in the scripture wasn't the church, And those were the two fundamental shifts of the Reformation which split the church forever irrevocably apart from the cold orthodoxy into Protestant evangelical church. And they got the first part really well, justification by faith. They got that one very well nailed down. They treated it very responsibly. There were a few diversions here and there, but... Now I'm giving way too much history. But the second one they didn't do so well at, which was the priesthood of all believers. Because they kept their robes and the clergy and laity separation. And for those of you who haven't heard those fancy words, the clergy is just those with the apparel and the paraphernalia and the robes. And the clergy is just you, sitting there, staring. The laity. Oh, thank you. So the clergy and the laity. There was this distinction. And you still hear it pop up all over the place. When you hear things like, I need to get the pastor to come and pray for me. Do you know what that's showing? A lack of understanding of the priesthood of all believers. Because what do priests do? They minister. A priest ministers. It wasn't the reformers understood. It wasn't the old covenant picture where the priest had to be solicited to do the ministry. No, now all believers were a royal priesthood, able to minister on behalf of God, speak the truth, speak love, speak the gospel, and minister on behalf of people standing as intermediates to God in prayer and intercession. And we only come to maturity when we act like priests. And not running after the latest apostles, prophet badge. Now, when I say that, I, I, I want to qualify it by saying that there are still apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, but they are doing the work of equipping. So, what's happening here this morning is a church assembles, worship, communi- communion around the tables, and then there's a, a, a teaching. But when I step down from here and walk around. I'm not Pastor Steve. I'm Steve who's called to be a pastor. I'm not Evangelist Steve. I'm Steve who is an evangelist. And my job 
is to stir up the priesthood of all believers. Because when you are ministering, you will come to maturity. If you just get that this morning, that ministry is the pathway to maturity. Do you want to become mature as a Christian? Minister. You say, how do I minister? Well, in Peter, I think it's 1, 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm way out of my notes, as you can imagine. There it is, yes. 1 Peter 4 verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Isn't that beautiful? The NRV says, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administrating God's grace in its various forms. But, but Steve, you make it sound so easy now. So I've got to, I must just, you know, use my gift and that's how we grow into maturity. That's how the body is built up. That's how we get the job done. But, you know, I've got these problems in my life, like when cars take my parking. You've never heard me speak in tongues so fast and so loud. Or, or when my husband makes me the butt of his joke. You haven't seen the anger that rises up inside of me. Or if my kids, anything had happened to my kids, I would kill somebody. But can I still be a Christian with these mentality attitudes? Well, maybe you'll be a better Christian when you're able to minister to somebody and you're able to say, you know, I also get angry when somebody takes my parking. But I'm trusting God to give me grace and patience. And in the process, He's changing me and I know I'm going to get victory in this area and I'm believing for the day when I'm going to be able to just stop, put my hazards on and say, please, be my guest, be my guest. I, I believe with God all things are possible. Even that is possible for me. Not Janet, but for me. Be my guest. Instead of portraying a, well, a really, well, when you're perfect like me, and you do everything right, and you wake up in the morning and float above the ground, and be able to just quote at random the whole book of the Psalms, then you can minister to other people like I do. And that's, I know it sounds like an exaggeration, but I cannot tell you the amount of people I've met in my life who judge other people by their actions, but judge themselves by their intentions. And put a ceiling over people because they're not as spiritual as them. I remember elders in this church would come to me and say, we're so fed up with it. I say, what? They said, every time I want to do something, this other couple who'd been elders for 10 years longer would say, no, 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 not such a hurry. You've got to still work at this in your life and that in your life and get this right and get that right. This is before they were elders. They'd just been radically saved and they wanted to just minister. But this eldership couple would keep going, no, 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 just before you, know, you do that, before you write a book, before you give a testimony, before you go and pray for people, we'll go, we'll go you come along with us and we'll show you how to do You know that we unintentionally put ceilings over people? There came a day they broke that ceiling and they've just taken off and never landed. Why? Because ministry is the pathway to maturity. And as you're using your gift, not because you're perfect, 
in spite of not being perfect. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about if you're locked in a major, blatant, extramarital affair. Now, now I'm, get healed, get delivered, get set free. But I'm just talking about people who say, well, I lose my temper. Well, I occasionally swear. Well, I, you know, three weeks ago, I had, I had too much wine. You know, I'm talking about people who infrequently do things that they know isn't really their new nature, their new behavior, but, but they stumble here and stumble there. And, and then the devil comes and says, because you're not perfect, you can't minister. And they believe that lie. And when they believe that lie, they never come to maturity because they stop ministering. So sometimes you've got to minister in spite of who you think you are and where you are and what you've done. And maturity will come to the body of Christ. Amen? Mistakes are allowed in the kingdom of God. And I'm going to skip over all the talents and this and that. But all of us have to ask ourselves, am I spending more time doing ministry compared to the time I'm spending prepare others to minister? And that's what Jesus was all about. Apprenticeship. I understand apprenticeship. You, any of you, tradesmen, old tradesmen, apprenticeship people, you get, you'll get this. Artisan does apprentice watches. Apprentice does artisan watches. Apprentice goes and does it with another apprentice. Simple. I, I, you don't even have to go to university to understand that. You don't even need a degree in theology to understand it. Jesus was doing the ministry while his disciples were watching him. Then he started commissioning them to do ministry while he watched them, supervised, corrected. Then he released them to go and do ministry on their own. And after three years, he says, guys, it's up to you. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The same spirit that was in Jesus ministering is inside of every born-again believer now to do the same works as Jesus because the Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. We can do the works of the ministry of Jesus. And you don't have to wait until you mature and know everything and experienced in 45 courses. But you can begin ministering. Now, as you know, this has been a year... I feel this year and the forthcoming years around the importance of discipleship is we've now spent most of this year talking about the establishing topics, the Father heart, the grace of Jesus, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, the importance of prayer and the authority of prayer and the Word of God, and the power of the Word of God, and the authenticity and the confidence we can have in the Word of God, and reaching the lost, and sharing the gospel, and bridging the gap with unbelievers. But now we're coming to this four weeks of, of making disciples, where what we've been established in, we need to become equipped in. Because that's, when we are equipped to do the work of ministry. When we are equipped, we can do the work of ministry. Some people need equipping. Just because they got knowledge means nothing until they are equipped. Maybe you've never ever prayed for a sick person. Well, you're going to learn how to. And then you're going to go do it. I've just emptied Monday night out by half right there. Cut those words off. Maybe you've never let someone to know the forgiving grace of Jesus Christ. Well, you're going to learn to do it. 
Maybe you've never seen someone come into the Holy Spirit and be released in the gifts of the Spirit. Maybe you've never operated in the gifts of the Spirit. Well, you're going to learn how to do it. And then you're going to do it. And all I'm saying this morning is, what's come first? You don't have to be mature before you can minister. But you do have to be equipped. And equipping is very helpful when it comes to ministry. And I know I've just thrown a quick ad in for that, just part of the notices that didn't happen. But starting tomorrow night and running for five we- four weeks, we're going to be doing how to pull discipleship into. So if you're in a home group, it'll either get to you or you'll be here. And anyone else who wants to join us, I feel we're pulling it in now to practical. And we're not going to, you know, we're not going to develop a c- discipleship culture in six months. To change a, a, a culture in a church, God showed me three years. So I'm sorry for you stuck here for three years. Well, I'm not really sorry for you. Because these are, we're going to look back. I believe if we get this right, we're going to see not addition to the church, but multiplication through the church into communities where fathers and mothers, spiritual fathers and mothers will be released to have families, sons and daughters emerging. There's so much more to come. Let me not get ahead of myself. If you are a believer this morning, sitting in this place, so you've crossed over from death to life, please put your hand up. If you are a believer and you've crossed over from death to life, put your hand up. You can put it down. If you believe you've been called to minister to others, put your hand up. Very simple. The same people that put their hands up first should have put their hands up second. So you got the answer to your question. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Let's stand up. Lord, this morning as... uh, we hear Ephesians chapter 4. You've given the apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists to equip so that we can do the ministry and the church will become mature and built up. I pray. I wonder if you would agree with me as I declare this over us as a church. For a culture shift. We declare a culture shift where our minds will move from I need the great man of God to come to me to what's in me I'm going to give away. I pray for a culture shift. Everybody standing here who's had this mentality of I'm not old enough, I'm not wise enough, I'm not educated enough, I'm not the right color, I'm not the right whatever, age, weight, heart, any other lie that you've believed that has restricted you from a confidence in whatever your gift is, if you one step ahead of anybody else, you can use it. I declare over you this morning, as chains broken right now, deceptions broken right now, false guilt and fear broken over you right now, Mindsets of limitation.
broke over you right now. God can take Wilson who stood here last week and preached from sleeping under a bridge to being used mightily international because he didn't wait till he was mature. He began to minister and the maturity came with that. Can you say amen? Amen.